I started off uh, working on a site called Antical News back in 1996 after I uh, had an accident that uh, left me paralyzed for six and a half months. Uh, in that time, I created Antical News, which covers uh, the film industry, television industry, comic book industry, and um, pretty much the world of entertainment as we see it. Um, uh, for the last 12 years, uh, we've been the number one uh, entertainment uh, uh, independent news website uh, that covers film. Um, uh, I've been on power lists, which are ridiculous, and magazines like Forbes and Entertainment Weekly and Premier. Um, uh, basically, what that means is uh, – and what it translates to in reality is that I can actually call people and they'll pick up the phone. Uh, as far as I can tell, that, that's what uh, being on a power list means. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, and by the way, my name is Harry Knowles. Cool. Thanks, Harry. We really appreciate it. This is Media Sound Off. I'm Lyle Troxel. My name is Emerson Murray. Harry, can you start off by talking about uh, the news groups and how you got started in the news groups and exactly what what were the news groups to you? Well, back in the Stone Age, before we had uh, uh, images on the internet, which, I mean, it, it, it seems like a million years ago uh, <laughs> now, but um, uh, when I very first logged onto the internet, it was just text and, you know, uh, the only place where you could have interactions with people of your same type uh, would be if you went into this area called news groups, which were uh, basically uh, uh, like little web boards uh, where uh, they were divided up into sections. And the ones I, I tended to go to were the, uh, the film-related ones like rec art, uh, rec arts, movies, current films, uh, rec right. arts, F movies, you know, that type of thing. And, and what you found when you went in there, um, when, when, when I heard the word news groups, I, I thought, oh, cool, people discussing news. But <laughs> no, that's not really what it was. It was, you know, a, it was about 95% people uh arguing and screaming at one another over uh, whether or not Kirk was better than Picard, mm -hmm. um, you know, right. slow zombies, running zombies, you know, th that sort of thing. And, you know, they, they, they would just get into screaming matches about all this stuff. And But every now and again, like every, you know, 50-second message or so, somebody would say something like, you know, I just saw a movie – and they would review a film, and it would be a film that wouldn't be coming to theaters for six months. Wow. And, you know, and, and what it was was that was people that were attending test screenings. Right. And um, uh, then you had people that were watching a movie being filmed down the street or that had gotten a hold of a script. And, you know, but every so often you would see some of these people there. Well, uh, around the time that uh, uh, we, we got introduced to our first uh, web browser uh, and people started having pictures appearing on the Internet that you didn't have to have some software to decode the 
numeric values of, which right. was an insane period, and like the stone carving uh, caveman <laughs> age of the internet. Um, uh, once that happened, I sort of began to work to round up these people that consistently brought news to the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I myself, um, uh, with, uh, stories into the news groups, like, uh, before I had ain't it cool news, um, I drove to, uh, uh, college station here in Texas, uh, where, uh, Steve Sansweet did the very first uh, presentation oh, yeah. of uh, of stuff for the new Star Wars special editions, uh, which was before the prequels, and actually announced that the prequels were going to happen. So I wrote the first report that there were going to be new Star Wars films. So basically, I was holding the sign saying "end is nigh," you know. <laughs> and and you did all that on the news groups. Yeah, and I did that on the news groups. When you talk about you, when you talked about collecting people from the news groups that actually re- reliably posted stuff, who were these people, and what do you mean collect them? Just kind of like watch them? Um, you know, it, it, it was weird. You know, I mean, you had people that were just, you know, regular enthusiasts, but then you also had people like Dean Devlin, uh, uh, who was posting about, you know, his movies in there. You know, he he was about Stargate before there were like really good websites and stuff, you know? And, um, what, what I did was I went around once I started up the site and invited people to come and, and, uh, report on the stuff that they loved and that they were doing on news groups, but in a place where it would be archived, where it wouldn't be lost amidst the, uh, uh, the, the, the screen uh, that was bouncing off the walls of the news groups, and it and it gave it a place, you know, for history, you know, for it to right. be. So as the as the as that website grew and it grew pretty quickly, uh, I think a lot of mainstream media started looking at you and kind of uh, giving critique on what you were doing. What do you think about the acceptance and the non-acceptance of mainstream media about um, "Ain't It Cool News"? Um, well. I like to think that Ain't It Cool News is the uh, sort of like it, as good as it gets when it comes to uh, amateur journalism, you know? Uh, and right. We're not amateur. We're professionals now, and we've been doing it for 12 years. And, you know, it, it's at a, we take what we do seriously. And I think what uh, the mainstream media reacted to was that we were breaking stories, you know, that we were establishing relationships with filmmakers and with people in the industry uh, to be a wall where people would, you know, comment and talk about these things. And um, I took that extremely seriously. you know, but at the same time, uh, I always had a sense of humor about it all because it was just ridiculous that I was doing this from Austin, Texas, which when I started was anything but a center for film. Mm-hmm. So Ain't It Cool News has become 
uh, I mean, as is mainstream, you're on your quotes are on posters. You're kind of all over the yeah. place. How has that affected the website and how you do things? Well, um, you know, w- when I started 12 years ago, for me or anybody else to go on a trip anywhere uh, to like cover something, uh, be it a festival or uh, a movie set, um, the studios or the film festival would have to pay for us to go because we just simply didn't have the revenue. Right. Um, the success of Ain't It Cool News and uh, the advertising and all of that uh, basically makes us autonomous. You know, I mean, um, you know, to, to give an example, like, you know, years ago, um, you know, for us to uh, see an early screening, like um, I saw an early screening of uh, uh, Paul Verhoeven's Hollow Man. Um, and it was one where he brought me out because he wanted me to see the movie early. He knew he was going to have trouble with the studio over um, a lot of the material in the film. And I actually saw a version of the film that still never seen the light of day, and which was actually a really good movie. Um, unfortunately, it got cut into something that isn't nearly as good. Um, but he had to bring me out to that. Well, in that process, it always casts doubt on whether or not uh, you're being bribed or, you know, whatever for your opinion. Um, in my experience, that has never actually happened. Um, and I've reacted badly to stuff like that all the time. But uh, just two weeks ago, uh, there was a, a test screening of a movie in Las Vegas that I found out about. And we were able to fly our guy out uh, to the screening and get him in. Wow. Um and there was no studio uh, uh, cooperation, you know? Right. Did you have to kind of sneak him in as just a regular person? We had somebody who let us know that there was a, a screening going on. We found out what that screening was, and they had uh, uh, already been accepted as a plus one, so we just had our guy become that plus right. one, <laughs> you know? Can you talk about the the writing on Ain't It Cool News? How has the writing changed over the years, and how is it different from other film reviewers and other film reviews? Um, well, I mean, the writing uh, shifts from person to person. I mean, when, when we started out, um, it was about 95% Harry Knowles writing to me. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's where people have, um, uh, you know, the closest thing to beer goggles in, in terms of looking back on those days. Um, but I actually have those files and can go back and look at them. Um, when I used to write a review uh, way back when, it would be a paragraph. Uh, uh-huh. I, 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 that was how much my brain thought about movies. Um, over the course of the site, you know, it's expanded out to where my typical review goes to about 1500 words and what's different from the typical ain't it cool news review versus uh, the mainstream media uh, or a typical critic is that we take the context of the screening. um, We put ourselves into the review, uh, meaning we allow ourselves to talk about what in the movie personally reflects in us, um, which is something 
that the typical reviewer doesn't really do. Uh, I feel we also tend to put the film more in a historic context in terms of movies like it right. so that uh, you have the ability to go, oh, well, I know that movie and that movie. Oh, okay, this sort of falls somewhere in there. Okay. You know, but, but it's, frankly, um, the way I like to say is, like, when I write a review, it's like me talking to my best friend about yeah. a movie. Right. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's the language that geeks have when they talk about movies with one another. And it allows the reader to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Um, and sometimes that conversation can go wildly off topic. Um, mm-hmm. But it always sort of comes back to serve the overall telling of the story that you saw. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've always saw, I've seen your reviews as that kind of somebody was, is talking to me instead of being a lecture. It sounds more like a conversation. What about the aspect of it can be a conversation, especially in the news group days when people wrote back and forth, and you still have comments on the website. How much does that affect oh, yeah. what you write next? Um, you know, I, I don't really play too much to the talkbackers because, um, you know, on our on Anacol News, we we have these uh, talkbacks, which are, you know, like different people compare them to different things. Um, uh, uh, Frank Darabont says that they're uh, rabid ferrets in a burlap sack. Um, <laughs> and, you know, other people uh, refer to them as being like uh, the people that call in to Howard Stern, um, <laughs> you know, not exactly sane, you know? <laughs> um, that said, once again, I think that uh, the talkbacks are very much like the old school news groups. Um, you have an uncensored uh, id of fandom, you know, where poli- you know, political correctness, um, offensiveness, all of that's going to be in there. And it is a portrait of what people are thinking on a certain film and the topic at a certain time. Um, that conversation, you know, depending if really an editor or a writer on the site doesn't get into talkback all that much, mm-hmm. unless it's something that they're passionate about. If it's a film that they truly feel passionate about and the talkback begins to go off or yeah. has a lot of questions and uh, sometimes what you see in talkback is you realize that people completely missed the point of what you were writing. Right, so you get to correct and, yourself. And as a bit, writer, yeah. it allows you to a- address those concerns directly and to you know sort of allow the audience um, to speak to you. And ideally, that's talkback at its best. Um, at its worst, it's like what you see happening on a script girl post where it just goes into grotesque misogyny. Right. Do you think that has any sort of historical value though? I mean, I do. I do. I mean, if you go back, um, you know, like if somebody was writing a, uh, dissertation on say Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and about, uh, Peter Jackson's films, um, any cool news provides them with a resource for not only you know what got found out when, 
you know, not only, you know, the interviews that I did with Peter Jackson before he even ever cast anyone, um, or even had a budget from new life. Um, but it would allow you to see what everybody thought of, of the project at the time. Yeah. Not just the critics. Uh, Yeah. All the talkbackers as well. Right. But what, but what regular folks thought and, you know, they, they hated it at the beginning, (laughs) you know, I mean, they, 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 they thought it was, I mean, they thought Ian McKellen being cast as Gandalf was one of the worst things in the history of the world because how the gay man play Gandalf. Wow. And then years later, they all come in line and he's the most perfect person, you wow. know? Okay. Um, like they can't make a Hobbit movie without Ian McKellen. And all of a sudden, whether or not he was gay no longer matters to these incredibly homophobic people. Yeah. They love him because he's Gandalf, That's amazing. you know? And it shows that his acting and his persona on screen overcame prejudices that are innate in 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 the you know frankly the unwashed masses it sounds like the unwashed masses in in the talkbacks you don't necessarily want to engage with them they it's sometimes it's ridiculousness and sometimes it's homophobic or whatever but do you read it oh absolutely um you know i mean i, I find i find it so refreshing because we live in an age where you have to discern what you know more now than at any time in history, I feel uh, you have to kind of watch what you say, and that's that's messed up. That's that's not what I feel writers or or free people should should do. You know, uh, um, you know, just the idea that you know you you see something like uh, Tropic Thunder come out in the theaters. And uh, you see, uh, uh, you know, political action groups lining up against it for the use of the word retard. I mean, they're literally talking about censorship for language. Right. I I find that incredibly disturbing. You know, and it's not it's not just it's not just censorship. It's it's not just the censorship of groups that want to like you know ban Tropic Thunder and attack and everything. It's that the next time someone has the idea to make an amazing film like that, they're going to be more sensitive to what they think is can be accepted and not, and therefore it's going to stifle their creativity. And and you know whether or not it actually becomes you know paramount censoring the film, just. The the hubbaloo and the trouble makes it to where studios will say, "Oh, I don't want to deal with that." Remember what we had to deal with last time? Right. Yeah. You know, we had to deal with Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. She she really got upset about the retard thing. You know, and it's language. You know, yeah, yeah. to me, you know, amongst you know when 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 I was a kid uh, growing up in high school. Um, my group of friends, we called ourselves the mini UN because I had a black friend, a Lebanese friend, a Mexican friend. I was the Irish white guy in the group and, you know, and there was an American Indian in the group and we always hit each other with the most versions of all the insults we could always think of because we wanted to take the sting out of it. We wanted to make those words not mean anything to us anymore. And what happens is by embodying those words with, with, with anger and fuer, what you do is you create 
you, you empower those words to make you feel bad. What you have to do is you have to make the words useless. Like they don't mean anything anymore. Right. Just like the gays used gay. Gay used to be an insult. And then they took the word and made it their own. You know, and that's what I love about Talkback. I love that in Talkback you can see yeah. people, you know, use language without a worry in the world about being fired from work, um, about being left by their girlfriends, right, right. about you know their parents shaking their fingers at them. It, it gives them a place to sound off the way they want to be sounding off. Okay, so you get to do that. I mean, the, the talkback forum, they, people get to say anything they want, and you, in reviews, get to swear and cuss and, and take stances that are not politically correct. Whatever you want, you feel that you can express yourself <laughs> anyway, and it, it definitely shows. It's a really fun place to read, but how do the advertisers take that? How, do you, how are you able to make money on the site with so much risk, potentially, for corporations? You know, the, the the thing that's funny about advertisers is they go where the asses are. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, 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 they want to advertise what they have to sell wherever it is being sold, you know. And the, the fact is, is, you know, the film industry, they know they all read Ain't It Cool News. Okay? Right. right. Um, that we get written up in magazines and newspapers all over the world shows that we have a worldwide uh, respected audience uh, because if nothing else, the journalists themselves are reading us. Okay. Uh, during Academy Awards time period, we get Academy ads on the site, <laughs> you know, uh, saying vote for our movie for best picture, you know, so amongst all the, anger and, 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 and frustration with the film industry and, and, and the passionate discourse, people see that people are there to find something to watch, to see, to go to. Right. And as a result, the advertisers don't care. I have never once had a complaint. And now what, what I do have a problem with is something like Google ads, because Google ads are automated and they have a language filter mm -hmm. and uh when when they see that a certain types of language is being used they won't advertise on that thing well you know what we don't use google right you know we go with a uh, a uh, a place called gorilla nation uh that line up our advertising for us and we're like their number one site for them getting uh advertising and we do very very well Right. On another note, I, w I was reading a Hollywood Reporter article and, and a quoted studio publicity chief said, you're either a journalist or a guy having fun on the Internet. You can't have it both ways. Do you think he's right? I think he's wrong. And I'll tell you why. I feel there are times where we are journalists, you know, where we have a story, uh, we're pursuing it, and a lot of times we – We'll find a story that, say, the media is reporting on, and we'll dig deeper, harder, and faster than the media and any traditional journalist will. You know, I remember when uh, the Walls, uh, when um, uh, the L.A. Times was uh, ripping apart uh, Titanic. 
and and reporting all about cost overruns and everything else, but they were missing the point of the story. Was the cost worth it? Right. What what was the quality of the film that they were talking about? Because the media will sometimes, and, and traditional journalists, they look for the story, and the story on Titanic at the time was that it was James Cameron's uh, Heaven's Gate. And that's the story that they were pushing the facts they found into. Right, and they weren't talking about the film itself and how it's different than, than Heaven's Gate or, or how, right. yeah, they were just talking about that it's equivalent or something. And what we did was we found the screenplay. And we started talking about the screenplay, and we started tracking uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's popularity based on uh, Bob Lerman's uh, Romeo and Juliet. And we started talking about how Titanic was going to be the biggest film in history. And we did this well in advance. And two weeks after the uh, L.A. Times piece, I got 53 people into a screening of that movie and changed the entire course of conversation based on the fact that we got 53 rave reviews of the movie saying it was one of the best movies they had ever seen. Do you, do you feel that way still about that film? I think that the movie is an incredible work. I think that what happens on, on, on truly great films is oftentimes their own popularity. And I think that Titanic became a $1.6 billion movie frustrates people mm. because they – we all have our own favorite movies. You know, like I, Titanic's not in my top 100 movies. I I love the movie, but I also have about 8,700 movies on DVD, mm-hmm. which are movies I feel I should own. <laughs> right. um, so I think there's a lot of really good movies out there. Okay. Um, but it does frustrate me that a movie like uh, Titanic makes you know, 1.6 worldwide theatrically and something like Pulp Fiction only makes a hundred million. Yeah. Cause honestly, I think Pulp Fiction is a better movie than Titanic. Yeah. You know, I, I think nightmare before Christmas is one of the greatest movies ever made. And it's only ever made about 90 million. Right. You know, um, it, that frustrates me no end. However, on home video, it's made, about five times that. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 it's done its business. It's just done its business in another form. You know, and I, I think a lot of times when you, uh, you when you see great success, I mean, it's like even right now, there's beginning to be a backlash on Dark Knight simply because of how much money it's making. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and that's got nothing to do with anything, right? You know, it's like the only thing that money means is to the people that invested it, right? It, it, it shouldn't matter to us. Who cares what's the top movie this weekend? What was the movie you saw that you loved? Yeah. You know, that's the key. There's just so there's so many people that like to be different that I think popularity kills things for a lot of people. Absolutely. And that's very strange, I think. Well, I mean, it, it's like, I don't know when you discovered The Simpsons, but I discovered them when they were on Tracy Ullman. And frankly, ever since they've been on Fox, they've sucked. Uh, 
you know, because <laughs> the, the, those old Tracy Ullman ones, they were crude and mean and rough around the edges, and they weren't slick and, and made for the masses. But you know what? Why be that way? Because I love the Simpsons that Fox came out with. Right. You know, you, 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 well, since when do you have to hate something for being popular? Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's just... Uh, it, it, it's so frustrating to me. Yeah, that's Harry, have you, with Ain't It Cool News, have you changed the film industry? You know, that's not for me to say. <laughs> because, because I'm, you know, have I changed it? Yes. Um, uh, uh, every studio has an internet uh, marketing department now. Mm-hmm. They hear to, they play to, they work very hard to make sure that the internet is happy. Okay, and that's not just me; that's all the other little websites. You know, I mean, they they will put people down for interviews with SuicideGirls.com. Yeah, yeah. You know, because that's funny. You know, it doesn't matter that there's you know nudity and, and, and gorgeous tattooed ladies on the site. Um, They've got a little interview section, and maybe, just maybe, somebody on that site will read some text instead of just looking at photos, you know? Um, They they cater to all of that. The reason they do, quite frankly, is because of the stir that got made in 1996, 97, 98, when Ada Cool News first started kicking. And we... We we made a perceived impact on some very big news, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's the perception of, of impact. I'm sorry, you're kind of cutting impact. out. It's it's you're kind of cutting out. The, it's the perception that what? It's the perception of impact that really makes the impact. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, oh, I can see that. Can you talk about mistakes? What kind of mistakes has Ain't It Cool News and what kind of mistakes has Harry Knowles made along the way? I mean, what would you change? You know, early on, it was, I would say, the first four or five years of the site. uh, The biggest mistake I made was not bringing in people to help me on the site. Uh, I I think the first four years of the site... um, we could have grown bigger, faster, um, had I let people help me. Um, help with reviews but, or help with technology? Well, help with technology, help with uh, uh, the financial and business end of the site. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you have to understand, when I started this thing, it was something to keep my mind off the fact that my legs weren't working. Mm-hmm. You know, right. that, that's where the site yeah. came from. You know, every, everything else aside, it was just about me not wanting to think about the fact that I might never walk again, okay? And I love movies. Let's talk about movies. That's a lot better to talk about, you know? <laughs> That's what y'all want to talk about, you know? Um, and, you know, the, the the thing is is that it became such a passion project and I became so afraid of losing control of the site early on. Um, and it was a good thing because it, 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 it kept me from 
fighting on and selling the site early on. Uh, I, I had several offers in the first four years uh, for uh, to sell the site for about $25 million to $40 million. Um, and I always turned those down because I didn't want to have to work for a corporation. I, I never wanted someone uh, that I had to call boss because mm-hmm. um, I, I felt that they would change everything that was what made my site my site. But, um, you know, there's there's that, you know, and once I uh, brought a team on uh, to handle the day-to-day business operations side, once I brought on other editors that could post stories, uh, I feel the site is better than it's ever been before because we've got, you know, seven editors that can post all at the same time or separately. We have them all talking to one another so everybody knows who's posting what when. And, you know, that's good. Now, then there's personal mistakes. And that's where the Internet and the non-journalism part comes into play. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I've made, you know, when I did a story once where um, a guy told me, uh, I think I found uh, the Academy Award nominations early. And he sent me uh, a link and I went to the link and I'd be damned. It sure did look like the official Oscar website's um, uh, uh, workup, mm-hmm. you know. Now, some, some sometimes there were uh, seven nominations instead of, you know, the five um, that it would be, but it looked like uh, an early refract and that they were waiting for the final numbers to come in and just cross off a couple of people here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it turns out that is what it was. But it turns out that it was personal computer that had the website on it that somebody had somehow found a way to log into from uh, the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. I just went to a link that a guy sent me to, right? So like I sit around going, Ooh, Ooh okay. I can't w- let me find an, uh, an ABC employee's computer. Right. Right. It's like, I wouldn't know how to do that, right? It's like, I think oftentimes people think I have skills that I don't have. I love movies and I'm a writer. I have no technical expertise. So any hacking that people think I can do, I ain't got it, you know? (laughs) But people out there on the internet, they do. And sometimes they send me stuff, you know? So so I'm I'm not familiar with that story. What actually happened? What came of that? I'm assuming you published some of the information? Well, I, I published, um... The Academy freaked out. Um, the uh, uh, it became a very big deal. Um, it while well, we came very very close to being sued, um, and uh, possible criminal charges for logging into a personal computer. Uh, all of this, I was completely not educated on. I, I didn't mm-hmm. know what I was looking at, you know. Um, if I could have not done that story, if I could take back a story, that's the one I would take back. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, we never got sued. Uh, it wound up creating a lot of publicity for the site. You know, it's not the yeah. sort of thing that I want to be known for. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Do, you have a good, um, do you have a good relationship with that, with the Academy now? 
Um, you know, we have an okay relationship. I've been invited to go cover the red carpet and mm-hmm. and go to the Academy Awards. And um, frankly, I, I I couldn't do that. You know, like I mean, if I was sitting in the audience of the Academy Awards and somebody won that I didn't want to be winning, I would be screaming bullshit. I would, <laughs> to, uh, I, I would be very irate in the yeah, audience because yeah. I'm a passionate watcher of the Academy Awards. Yeah. I'm that guy. You know, I, I don't know how y'all watch it, but I mean, when I'm sitting here at home and I usually have a group of about seven friends here and my family, and we're watching the Academy Awards. And, you know, like when uh, Pan's Labyrinth didn't win Best Foreign Film and that German movie did. I was enraged, right, you, right. Know? It was like, you know, and, and you've read my writing, yeah. you know, what sort of words come out of my mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Couldn't sit in a, in polite company yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. for the Academy Awards. It's it, 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 because, and it's not that I think that the Academy Awards are, are like the be all end all, but it is in terms of history. Right. In terms of history, history will remember the movies that won the Academy Awards, you know, and that aggravating when they give it to the wrong thing. (laughs) You know, Harry, I would love to to watch the Academy Awards with you. Have you ever thought about doing some kind of feed of what happens in your place when you were listening? Is an audio cast of you guys chatting about it while it's going on? Well, what I do is um, I do a... uh, uh, state of consciousness uh, coverage of uh, the Academy Awards, where like the entire time I'm watching the Academy Awards, my fingers are on the keyboard and I'm typing and updating uh, a, a a blog as, as I'm writing and watching, and um, you know it, it's actually the the column that I do a year that causes the most tech problems with the website because the live cast. Oscar article, you have to think, everybody in the world that can't watch the Academy Awards live because they're at work. Right. They're, they're trying to find a place they can find out what's going on. And since I've been doing this now for 11 years, uh, the, the, this particular piece of coverage, um, it, it's well known. Ain't mm-hmm. it cool news? We'll have what's going on on the Oscars. And it's not just what won, but what's going on yeah. on the Oscars. Who's you wearing know? what and all that. And, and who's wearing what, what do I think of them? You know, I mean, it, it, you know, and it's quite purple prose, you know, <laughs> and uh, 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 we've had our servers go down like four times due to bandwidth yeah. problems. Uh, the last two years, We've only gotten to slowing down, but that's because uh, we uh, bring on like an extra six servers for the Academy broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just, you know, we make a lot of money during the Academy because there's a lot of reloading, a lot of advertising banners that, that go up. Yeah. I, so I, I'd always assume that you were pretty heavily involved in the design and the, and the, uh, the web technology behind the site. How, how involved are you with that stuff? Um, it all goes through me. Uh, I approve it all. Uh, I have no knowledge uh, about, you know, the the inner workings or the tech of it. I, I just 
talk to the tech people about the functionality that I want and the aesthetic, you know, and yeah. you know, what, what I've always wanted to do with any cool news is I don't want it to be slick looking. Um, to me, it, it needs to look like something that anybody could have done. Why? And, um, because it needs to look like I could have done it. <laughs> uh, That's good. You know, uh, to me, you know, it's like it's like that uh, that sort of uh, bleached out uh, King Kong uh, wallpaper in the background. Right. Uh, uh, that well, it's King Kong and 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 it's uh, uh, Independence Day now. Well, originally it was Independence Day, and when nine eleven happened, somebody said that I should probably not have the background of my site be the White House blowing up, and so I decided to go for my favorite movie, which is King Kong. Mm-hmm. And then I realized. You know what? Who cares? I, yeah, for about two years it stayed King Kong, and then I realized I can't believe I bought into the whole you know nine eleven thing. You yeah. know, it's like I'm not going to change my site for nine yeah. eleven. You know, they win if I change my site for nine eleven. Yeah. You know, it's like bam. So I put back uh, the. Uh, uh, the Independence Day thing. Well, the whole reason that Independence Day White House blowing up background was, was there wasn't because I was, you know imagining George Bush in the White House. It was because the very first story that I ever covered on Ain't It Cool News was a comparison between uh, the screenplays for Independence Day and Mars Attacks. And that story, number one, on Ain't It Cool News. And, um, you know, I created the site. When I came to the site, I sat there, I read all these books on web engineering and HTML, and believe me, there wasn't a lot of options back then. Right. Uh, and and it was hard, and I struggled with the tech. I, I hated the technology. Um, you know, when, uh, uh, when the site started to look like it did now, that was because... Um, I signed on with a company called Jameson Gold, which had invented Disneyland.com and Sony.com. And uh, they wanted to um, overhaul the site. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if you're good enough, Sony, okay. (laughs) Um, And I gave those guys headaches. um, Because you didn't want to look like Sony, right? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want it to look like Sony. I didn't want it to look like Disneyland. I told them, I said, uh, they said, well, what what colors do you want the site to look like? I said, uh, just go get the colors that are on Velma. And they're like, what? I said, Velma from Scooby-Doo. I want her color on the site. That's good. And they're like, why? I said, because I want to marry Velma. You know, Velma's my favorite cartoon character, you know, woman, you know, because she's she she doesn't look super sexy yet, but she's young. She's going to get there. No, she's going to get there. And she's got a brain. That's yeah. awesome. You know, anyway. So that's, you know, where the colors come from. But also that orange comes from the University of Texas, which is my alma mater. It's the, the university that I grew up across the street from. It's the place that gave me my love for film because they had a Saturday morning kids club. Uh, which every Saturday was the triple features of classic cinema that got me loving movies. Yeah. Okay. So, so it, it, it's there. Plus what I like about it is that it's not black. 
all other movie websites have like black background, white text, yeah. you know, it, 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 and it's, it, it causes your eyes to be weary. Okay. Whereas black text that's large on a white page allows you to read without eye strain. And it allows you to read without problem. Okay, so Harry, okay? so Harry, you you designed the first site and really struggled through it, and then you have this large corporation that does website design that comes in. You don't want it to be too slick because you want it to be something that you could create, even though they might have surpassed you at this point in what you technically could do. Is that is that honest? I and mean, what? Why is it that you're doing it that way? Why are you trying to represent something that's not exactly what Annie Cool News is, but more what is closer to you? Because it's mine. You know, I mean, and I always want it to be mine, you know, um, like with the animations up in the corner, I write the gags for every single one of those. I can't animate it, mm-hmm. but right. I can think it. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, talk back on the site. When we introduced talk back, it was the first time anywhere on the entire internet that there were comments underneath an article. Yeah. You defined, you kind of defined blogging, stuff. didn't you? You kind of created yeah. that market, yeah. That, that was our thing. You know, and now CNN has a feature on, 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 on CNN that's called Talkback, and it yeah. aggravates the heck out of me that I didn't <laughs> trademark that, you know? Um, but we started that, and, and when I started it with Jameson Gold, they, they were like, we don't know how to do this. And they had to write code to create that blog thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was very archaic. And it, it, it took a lot. I mean, what the biggest problems that Cool News still has is in regards to talkback and in terms of processor speeds. You know, and it all comes down to that, that, that thing. But I... I, I what I feel is that something like Talkback makes Ain't It Cool News alive. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's just a place where you just read something and you go away. But if it's a place where you can be- get into a conversation about all this stuff you know, with other people, then I don't have to be awake. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can walk away from the site and the site is going to continue to live. You know, and, 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 and then when I come back, I have something new to read, and it allows me to become a fan of my own website. Hey, um, Harry, can you give us a give us some numbers on how big the site is and how many people get paid and all that thing? Like, how many people read the site and how many people are actually getting a living off of the site? I don't have all the numbers, so it's my uh, my, my business guys who who does that. But mm-hmm. I know we have two and a half million uniques a month. Um, uh, that's two and a half million different people reading right. at cool news a month. I, I don't know what the day to day numbers are. Um the uh let's see, paid on the site is twelve now. Twelve. So all oh, the contributors well. all the contributors get paid? Well the the main ones did. Yeah, yeah. Uh the ones that you, you see every week on the site. Um, they're they're all uh, uh, paid. Are they salaried? Um, Are they salaried, or do you pay them per per article? Um, well, but, uh, all the editors, the seven editors, are salaried. Okay. Um, 
and then um, uh, there's five other people that are uh, paid on an article basis with a cap on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, right now, the thing that we're cracking into is uh, providing health care. Um, and we we currently have, like, we, we take care of uh, all the contributors, uh, like equipment issues um, and uh, Internet issues and all of that. Um, you know, and it, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's trying to grow it into something real, you know, uh, the insurance stuff is actually, um, the hardest thing for us to work out right now because, uh, different people want different things and it's just trying to find an insurance package that works for uh, everybody because, uh, we need to take care of everyone on the site. Yeah. As it gets bigger, how, how do you see the writing change? Do you think the writing is going to change? Do you think you're, as you guys get older uh, and as, as the company gets bigger? You know, I mean, I've noticed changes in writers, you know I mean? Uh, when uh, Quint started on the site, he's Eric Vespi. He started writing when he was 14, you know, now he's 26. Um, his writing has improved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you read his interviews at the beginning. He's, he, he's got it down way better. Um, the, um, you know, Moriarty, when he started the site, a, he, he always played to his character that he was James G. Moriarty <laughs> of, of, of Sherlock Holmes. And he had a shtick. Well, he's abandoned this shtick now. Mm-hmm. Now, he still finds as Moriarty, but he also finds as Drew McQueenie. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, Drew went from, you know, being talking about movies in, in the abstract to talking about movies personally and about uh, seeing the movies with his wife and his kid. He actually started writing more like me, but uh, with an elevated sense of English. Um, because he was an English major, and that's what he—that's what his degree was in. That was not my degree. Right. I think generally, as you see sites tend to get more corporate and, and bigger, you see people sort of, you know, less swearing, and it just sort of homogenizes into sort of a little more boring, a little more plain. But I think that because you guys went through so much it was so tumultuous in the beginning with people believing that you guys were pandering and, Oh, he's being flown to this movie site. How can he criticize it? And the whole Godzilla thing. I think that that sort of may tell me if I'm wrong. I think it may have stung you guys in the ass a little, and I don't think you're going to homogenize. It, and... it, it, it made us sensitive. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we care a lot about our geek cred <laughs> and it's, ridiculous thing to care about but we do you know um you know it, 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 it it's funny i only went to two junkets mm-hmm. okay like it, that think about that for a second right you know if you've read all the junk about harry knowles i only went to two junkets yeah but the press was there to- you know and historically they're going to be like oh harry knowles yeah he's in this entertainment tonight or yeah. whatever you know, there he is in the press jacket. It's going to be there forever, you know. Yeah, I went to two. I did uh, uh, The Mummy, 
set, and I went to Cannes uh, for the first footage from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, how can you and not do that, old, though? Like, I mean, if you get that offer, yeah, you've got to do it. There, there you go. There you go, right? How do you not do that? I, I don't know. Okay. Now, I went, to, I went to several premieres, but since the fourth year of the site, I've paid for all my trips. Wow. So for the last eight years, I've paid for everything. So even when a director invites you, like I think didn't Zack Snyder invited you to see some of Watchmen, so you paid to for that trip? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Why, you do, know? why do you it, do that? It, <laughs> because I had to take that away from them. You know? I mean, uh, the site can't. I mean, ideally, it pays for everything. You know, I mean that, that that that's what it's that's what it's supposed to do. You know, when when I started Ain't It Cool News, and it got big very quick, I talked to um, a local editor for uh, uh, the local uh, newspaper alternative here in Austin, the Austin Chronicle, um, and they started the Austin Chronicle as you know essentially a rag uh, back in the in the seventies. And it was just an alternative to the mainstream paper here in town. And I asked them, I said, how long did it take for y'all to go from, from working on the Chronicle as a passion project that barely paid the bills to where you had a budget you could count on, where everyone that started it, um, you know, was covered on an insurance plan where everything was, was, was uh, where, where y'all had a budget to send people to cover things. You know, when did that happen? And he said, it, it took us 14 years. Wow. That's okay. And what that did, you know, and, and you have to think, Ain't It Cool News survived uh, the internet bubble burst. Right. Right. And uh, when, when advertising uh, blew up on the internet, and you saw a lot of your favorite websites go away, we survived. The reason was because of my book deal uh, for my personal story. I personally put uh, 150 thousand that I got as my book advance, and I paid for the site's existence for a year and a half through that bust. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, one month, um, I had two more months of money to cover server bills to keep the site alive when uh, uh, when the site signed a three-year um, uh, advertising deal with uh, Newline. Mm-hmm. And I worked extremely hard to see about trying to find somebody to be that base ad thing. And, but we had to, we had to find a way out of the advertising death that had hit the internet at the time. And, um, and what I did was I, I studied, um, alternative weekly newspapers because what they did was they went around, uh, their towns, uh, to the people that would want to market, uh, to their paper. And, they would get their big grocery stores and have them place an ad in their, in their page. They'd go to the head shops in town mm. and, and get them to sign a, a two year contract. 
and uh, that's how that worked early on. Um, we had to do that, you know, and it was getting a couple of cornerstone ads and we just had to get somebody to start advertising on the site because uh, and we had to do it on our own because uh, at the time, the companies that were uh, marketing and selling advertising online uh, for websites were, were taking 75 to 85%. And so the website would only get 10 to 15% right. of the advertising money that was being spent to advertise on their site, which was grotesque. Hey, um, I mean, Harry, who, who did you get during that, those hard times? Who did you get to advertise for you? On you. Um, well, what what happened was I brought on a guy uh, onto the site uh, whose only job was to try to find advertising, and uh, and I called up the different people at the different studios that were marketing people that were, you know, always the people to like call me up to say, hey, do you want to see this early? You know, I said, hey, do y'all have somebody that deals with internet marketing mm-hmm. at, at your studio? Because I'd like to put them in conversation with this guy. And and I made a couple calls to get a couple people in contact with people. And we made our own deals at, at the early stages. Then um, that guy wasn't very good at that job. But he <laughs> did sign a couple of people, and it did allow us – uh, to get out of that hole. Okay. Uh, uh, it turns out that my best friend, uh, since the age of three, um, had an incredible, uh, business degree from, uh, uh, Boston university and had an incredibly good sense of these things. And so for those two years that, uh, for the three year contract of the new line thing, um, I told him to, to read up on, internet advertising and marketing uh, because I needed him to when he quit his job that he was stuck in for three years. I said, this is your job when you get out, you know, and and he he read up on it and he said, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's my partner in all of this now. Um, And he, um, he, he he got it down and uh, I, I introduced him to the heads of, uh, uh, marketing and advertising at all the studios. And um, he went in there and he came out like, you know, a God, you know I mean? He, he, he basically everyone advertised with us because once, once we had the three year example of, of new line and you have to understand the three years that new line advertised on us, were the three years of Lord of the Rings. And, and so that was very good years for New Line. You know, and it and what happened was other other studios began to want to have their ads on Ain't It Cool News because they began to feel that maybe we have something to do with New Line's success. Once again, it's all about perception. Yeah, right? yeah. And what I did with Roland is I said, look, I said, let's only allow people to advertise on Ain't It Cool News whose movies we feel will be successful and that we support. Really? And what, yeah. And like, if we didn't like your movie, you weren't going to advertise on our site. Or if you did, we would charge you more. <laughs> no, why, why do it that way? 
Because you wouldn't want to support a movie you don't because like? Because we wanted, we wanted the films that supported Ain't It Cool News to be movies Ain't It Cool News could support. Wow, that's pretty cool. Weird. That's, that's very the unusual, is, I think. And when you look at advertising on a site, it's part of how you perceive the site. It's yeah. part of what the site is. When you, when you go to a site and you see uh, ads for a baby mama, you think these guys will sell anything. Yeah, right, right. right yeah. Harry, can you talk about the websites, the blogs, or the podcasts that you listen to, the websites that you go to, the blogs that you read? Um, let's see. I, I, I mean, I get all the regular stuff like uh, Ched.com and Dark Horizons. Um, I read Variety and Hollywood Reporter constantly. Um, uh, there's a guy who covers the Disney stuff named Jim Hill, uh, who's at jimhillmedia.com, who I, I think is uh, pretty amazing. He doesn't update as much as he should, but, uh, he writes, uh, uh completely original articles every time. Um, uh, and they're, uh, incredibly well-researched. Um, there's, uh, you know, uh, indiefilm.com. Uh, there's a site called uh, Twitch.net uh, that that covers uh, 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 cool, weird cinema better than anybody. Uh, it's TwitchFilm.net. Um, you know, uh, I love Suicide Girls. Uh, <laughs> big fan of Suicide Girls. I read it for the articles. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Um, you know, um, mainly though. I read what my readers send me to, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I get so many emails a day that, that direct me off to the four corners of the internet. Yeah. I mean, how else do I find a German interview with Sigourney Weaver talking about Avatar? <laughs> right. It's not my common block, <laughs> you know, but, but, but look, there it is, you know, and we ran the link to it, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I read Drudge Report like crazy, but then that's where I started off on the internet was uh, writing with Drudge oh, right. um, uh, back in the early, early days. Cool. And, uh, you know, so um, I, I'm a political junkie. So oh, like, I, I, I read Huffington Report, and, you know, just all the blog. And I read right wing as well as left wing because I feel you have to know what your enemy is doing. Um, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I read Pitchfork, you know, for music stuff. Um, uh, I actually don't read anybody for DVD stuff simply because I write that DVD column and I'm getting sent all the DVDs, so I don't need right. to read what people think because I'm seeing it all. Um, and I get way too many DVDs, um, a week. It, it is insane. Today I opened up uh, 37 uh, packages of DVDs. Oh, uh, That's how your collection is so large. It's big. Well, I mean, you have to think. And, and, and on top of everything else, every two weeks I take 200 DVDs to a DVD uh, trade-in shop because that's how many I get that I don't want to keep. Right. right. Do you Do you write up the ones that you don't like? 
uh, I write up some of the ones I don't like. It, 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 it just depends. I write up the ones that I don't like that I think people might buy. <laughs> Oh, God. Right. <laughs> because you want to warn them. <laughs> yeah. Whereas it's an independent film that just sucks. Why burn it? Right. You, you know what I mean? It, it, it's like, why beat up on, on the, on the poor little kid on the bus, right? If you're right. going to beat up someone, beat up the quarterback. Right. Right. You know, because <laughs> he needs to get his ass whooped, you know? Right. Cool. On that note, thank you very much for joining us, Harry. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Harry. Okay, thank you all. This has been Harry Knowles from com. My name is Lyle Troxell. This is Media Sound Off. And my name is Emerson Murray. Thanks for joining us.